It's Tuesday at 8pm and you're listening to the best possible taste on West Limerick 102FM. You're listening to the best possible taste on West Limerick 102FM. Good evening and you're very welcome to tonight's Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan, back after an extended period of absence, thanks to that which will not be mentioned. And I'm delighted to be back with you and coming up on the programme tonight, Billy Joe O'Connor from Lee Farm will be visiting us in the Best Possible Taste studio to tell us about life on the farm. Rosemary Bennis from Sauna's Health Food Shop has advice about back-to-school lunches and supplements. And Finally, I'll be meeting David Hayes in Adair's latest culinary edition, Logra. But before we hear from tonight's guests, let me tell you how to get in touch with me here at The Best Possible Taste. You can make contact by emailing me, s.noonan at live.ie, or you can tweet me at Queen of Org, as in Queen of Organisation, and I'm on Instagram at Sharon J. Noonan. And tonight I'm delighted to introduce you to Colette O'Connor from Delicious Kingdom. Colette, you're very welcome to the programme. Thank you, Sharon. Thank you for having me. And since we've been off the airwaves for a number of months, I thought it would be good to highlight a few things happening in the hospitality industry. And we're going to chat about no-shows in restaurants, Colette. Mm-hmm. Uh, in these challenging times, there's increasing pressure on cafes and restaurants. And it's hard to believe that there are people out there that believe it is acceptable to book a table in a busy restaurant and just not show up despite having the reservation confirmed that very day. Is that something you'd be guilty of? Absolutely not, no. Having worked in hospitality for years, it's always been a problem, but it appears to be an even bigger problem now, so I I can't understand the thinking behind it at all. Especially in these challenging times, like it is more and more difficult to make money in that sort of business and with reduced capacity in cafes and restaurants, they're really relying on the people that have booked to show up. Do you think there's any solution to it? Look, I suppose it'll always be a problem. The, the one thing I would say um, from past experience before COVID or anything, you know, taking up the credit card, you, you know, if you haven't cancelled on the day, full charge. You know, if it's a, if it's a table for four, it's a set menu, full charge. It's the only way to do it. Um, the other thing you can do is take a non-refundable deposit at the time of booking. Now, once the booking, I suppose, is within a certain amount of time, maybe a week, two weeks. But, you know, People have so little space now in their places, you know, they're all dealing with reduced capacity and they need their customers to show up and they've put a lot of effort into creating a safe environment for people to come into PPE gear, um, putting in screens in some places, uh, you know, the, people have to make the effort, you know, and we're all dying to go out as well, we're all dying to get out and have a nice meal somewhere, so you know, make the booking and show up and if you can't, then pick up the phone. And of course, a lot of those really good restaurants out there are using top quality ingredients, which aren't cheap. Absolutely, and perishable. You know, they can't be reused. You know, you can't keep them for two or three days. Like they need to be used on the day. A lot of the fresh produce. And speaking of local produce, you, Colette, are a great supporter of growers. And being from Kerry, you were telling me about Lee Farm. Yeah. Um, some listeners may have come across the article in the Farmer's Journal recently, so we're delighted to welcome Billy Joe O'Connor to the studio this evening. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. You're very welcome to the best possible tea studio. Thanks a million for coming in tonight. And thanks to you, Colette, for introducing me to Billy Joe. Tell us how you first met. 
So how we first met actually is our daughters do ballet together. That's how we first met. And um, then it came up, I think you were supplying Coco Boutique at the lady there yes. with her vegetables. Yeah, Jennifer. Yeah. And I thought, you know what now, I'm going to... So that, that, that's exactly, because I've been in contact already with Kim Elliott. Oh, Rocket Timbers, yeah. Down in South Kerry, mm-hmm. and, and she explained it wasn't available up in North Kerry. So yeah. I'd like them to realise that Billy Joel was doing it. Like. Yeah, it's funny because we supplied Kim in our first, well, kind of before we started doing our own veg boxes, we um, gave produce to Kim as well. Yeah. So I think kind of the, the circle of people who grow things in North Kerry and even in Ireland, it's quite small, so we all know each other. But it was Fridays, which was ballet day. Yeah. That was when I did my um, deliveries to Coco and a few other people in the store as well. So we've had veggies in the, the boot of the car. Yeah. So where is your farm? Is it just outside the stall? Uh, well, just outside Ballyduff. Okay. So yeah, but that's only like a 10-15 minute drive from here in the stall. So um, kind of as an area that we would cover, we deliver in Ballyduff, but we also do Ballybanyan, um, the stall, and then on a different day, so Wednesday, which would be soon, we uh, do um, kind of um, Ardfert, um, Abbey Dorney, Trilly, and that side of, of kind of Kerry. So on two different days, I go two different directions. And tell us what you're growing. Uh, we grow a little bit of everything. So we have one polytunnel uh, planned for next year to so stick up or stick up a second one. Uh, at the moment, we have aubergines, courgettes, tomatoes, sweet corn, green beans, uh, Swiss chard. Then outside, we would have your kales, your um, broccoli, cauliflowers. Got more different peas and beans and kind of varieties of those. Um, we've got some Brussels sprouts going for the winter time. Beetroots, lots of different salad leaves, pumpkins, squashes, a bit of everything really. So twelve months of the year you have not exactly no we would kind of work from um, May to September October given the weather or you know how things have gone this year we were hoping to go up to October but the weather has just been so bad like we've had two storms in the last two weeks they've broken a whole load of plants that were outside so that crop is gone so you are kind of you know the weather is your master you can plan as much as you can but with anything outside there's other kind of implications and your own background, you didn't grow up on your farm. It was your husband grew up on it, but you took the scenic route to um, one. Very much so, yeah. So I would have grown up in Ballybunion, and my parents were in the hotel industry. Um, so food, I guess, was always something that was you know of interest, and um, one of my jobs, even from 12, 13, would have been in the kitchen and you know making the salads and different things at the restaurant, and Dad would have been the, the chef and things. So food's always been of interest. But we have a tiny, my mother calls it a postage stamp, little garden at home. Um, I have two aunts who are very good uh, gardeners, we'll say, and it would be more flowers and bits and pieces. But they still would have had tomato plants here and apple trees and different bits. So there was always an interest there. Then we kind of, uh, I fell into retail as a, a trade. Uh, that took us to the Middle East. Uh, my husband is an engineer, so he came along as well. Um, we were in the Middle East for eight years. And then kind of the lifestyle there, you know, it's very different to the lifestyle here, but it's not very healthy. All your food is imported, you know, it's sand and desert, obviously, so they can't grow much. Um, I had my first daughter in the Middle East, and it's funny, she doesn't eat potatoes because you just can't buy them there. They're awful, like really big soapy things that have been grown in Saudi, and you don't even know what medium they're grown in or what chemicals have been added. Um, so all these little things kind of got us thinking, and after our time in the Middle East, you know, we were kind of we'd had enough of it for a while. Our family was expanding, and um, we kind of set a plan to come home, mm-hmm. and we're wondering what that could look like. And it was to be a very much a lifestyle 
lifestyle change as well as kind of a country change and things and we made a conscious decision that we wanted to come back to Kerry back to family um, as I said the family was expanding I was pregnant with our second daughter and um, we wanted to have parents and things around being from Ballybunion and Nile Ballyduff there was kind of bits of pockets of land around they would have had a dairy farm back in the day um, his dad passed away so that kind of finished but his mum was still in Ballyduff and there was still you know a bit of a field here or a big garden there so yeah we said why not give it a go We'll see if we can kind of make a business, you know, start something that can grow as the children grow. So the concept being that we'll plant a small garden, get her kind of get to grips with that and see how that goes and what we can grow and not grow and how easy or difficult things are. And as the children are getting that bit older and need us less, we can spend more time in the garden and expand slowly and take it from there. And you have a West Limerick connection because you went to Drum Collar to the Organic College. Yeah, yeah, they're really good there. So when we came home, um, we knew we needed to do something kind of in terms of study and yeah. I suppose honing our skills and find, figuring things out. And um, if you were to be certified organic as well, your crops in your garden, you have to um, have done, I think it's 25 hours of a certain course uh, to uh, get your cred- accreditation for the organic um, standard. So did a bit of research and a way we figured out that it could work would be uh, Drum Colourher, Paula Penders, an amazing lady. So she looks after their distance course. So you can go one year full time or you can do two years part time. I've done it over four years because there was another baby, (laughs) a house build and a few other things in between. But that's that's life, it gets busy and all the rest. It's great to have that flexibility. It is, yeah. And Paul is amazing. Like at any stage during those four years, you can email her and go, oh my God, this thing is eating my cabbage. I can't figure out what it is. We've done X, Y and Z. Have you any advice? You know, they're a really good community there. And even the organic college themselves, like they have a forum where all the different students, past and present, have access to it. And you can, you know, chat back and forth or I'm ordering seeds from here does anybody else want to stick in an order we can bulk it up and you know pay for postage or stuff like that so um, yeah we went to Drum Colourher uh, well I went to Drum Colourher and um, did the course there I'm actually uh, a couple of days finishing the course because due to Covid exams and all that were put out so um, I'm finishing the exams on uh, the middle of September Fantastic. And tell us what's in the box at the moment. Have you got a, a delivery Please, recently? I got an update for tomorrow morning. You yes. sent me an earlier on. So it's the seasonal box I get, which is sort of the standard, isn't it? And you can tailor it. There's, there's choices. So tomorrow it is salad, 100 grams of salad, mm-hmm. tomatoes, Swiss chard, Swiss chard, which I potatoes, chard. Some like rainbow, all yeah. the different colours. You're nearly afraid to eat it. It's so pretty. <laughs> it's a gorgeous, it's gorgeous. Like, gorgeous. Yeah, very nutritious as well. Like they say, yeah. you should eat the rainbow for health, and chard is the perfect vegetable Absolutely. for that. So you've got all your colourful stalks and the green leaf on top. I would never have bought that now before getting from it. I have come in the supermarket. Yeah, I've never seen it. Yeah, which is very surprising. I think just like not a lot of people know about it, not a lot of people eat it for that reason. Yeah. You can't buy it in the supermarket, but it's one of our most popular vegetables. Oh, it's gorgeous. Uh, and kale as well is very popular. It's always one that we you know find hard to keep in stock almost you know people go oh good kale this week and you're like oh the plant just needs one more week to kind of grow back a bit more and what's lovely too in the boxes this year Billy Joe puts a suggested recipe an update from the farm every week which is brilliant there's a pasta sauce recipe a couple yes. weeks ago Bridget's pasta sauce oh, your mum yeah oh my god gorgeous and um, kind of improvised a small bit to suit our own taste but it's a very good recipe and made loads of it frozen the kids loved it fabulous I think that is something that you know sometimes a seasonal box has limited ish choice that people can swap and change one or two bits if they like but it's kind of it's a challenge 
and journalists to people it's like right this is currently what's in season in Ireland what can you do with it mm-hmm. so it probably is more for people who enjoy cooking like yourself and who don't mind kind of putting things together so we figured that the newsletter might be a I suppose a step you know for people to give them a hand in how to put together the contents of the box so there's a bit of thinking that goes into it putting together the newsletter with the recipes and things it sounds like it's a great opportunity for people to learn and for you to educate people Uh, yes but equally they would educate me like I'm always asking for feedback or is there any other recipes you have or so 2019 was the first year we did boxes and that kind of winter then before planning the next season we put up kind of questionnaires going okay what vegetables would you like to see or what did we grow last year that you weren't a huge fan of what you want to see more of and the results were surprising like onions were something people said they bought every single week on their grocery list so we've included that Mm. every week in the boxes um cauliflower was another thing people apparently everybody loves cauliflower can i just say the cauliflower i've never seen anything (laughs) as white in your life it is absolutely just stunning i've never you just think the supermarkets God love them, but they're never that white. They are never that white, like, and it is just fabulous. But with things in the supermarket, you have to think of the air miles, what chemicals it was sprayed with, how long it's been sitting there. Like the cauliflower that we get or give to our customers, it's cut in the morning, it's in the box in the morning, and it's delivered, you know, eat all before eleven o'clock, kind of thing. And you can taste that freshness. Oh, you can. There's, there's, a, there's a difference, like a significant difference. Yeah. 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 Whereas I personally don't like cauliflower. Oh. <laughs> My mum loves it and she loves it with cauliflower cheese. I don't really like cheese either, so it's never been a favourite. The broccoli, I love. The chards, all the beans, I absolutely adore them. So for me as a grower, I kind of thought, oh, cauliflower, no one wants to eat that. But it's actually me who didn't want to eat it. And Same with Brussels sprouts. Roasted cauliflower yeah. is huge delight. Yeah, and even for any kind of vegan kind of menus, you know, cauliflower steaks or the cauliflower rice, it is a really popular one. So that was a learning for me that my customers gave back. And the feedback to and fro is very important important I think when you're growing veg for people because it's our customers who are eating it they can always give us feedback as to what they would like us to grow or not grow as the case may be. And what were you going to say with the Brussels sprouts? Another one I was never a huge fan of. That's it again came out the questionnaire that like 75% of people love Brussels sprouts and I was like okay if I'm going to grow them you guys have to tell me how should I cook them. So there's lots of different recipes with you know bacon and onion and uh, garlic and pan to do them and so at Christmas time we did our Brussels sprouts a few different ways and turns out they're not too bad. You're converted. Uh, well almost, almost. And they're great shaped into a salad as well. Yeah. They're quite a long grow though, that's the thing, like you'd seed your Brussels sprouts in April and you're putting them out kind of in May, June and then you're not picking them until November, December. So for a gardener they take up quite a lot of space in the garden for quite a long time for a limited enough return. So it was something that I was only going to grow if people really did want it. Mm-hmm. And I would imagine a lot of people can't visualise how a Brussels sprout grows. They've never actually thought about that the way it is on the stalk. Yes, yeah, because it's quite different. Like, you see the little teeny tiny sprouts, you know, that would fit in the palm of your hand. Whereas out in the field, you've got this massive long stalk. It probably gets to, I suppose, about a foot, um, is it about a foot high. Yeah. Um, and you've got lots of big leaves off it. And the actual sprouts themselves are very small and significant little parts on the, the big stalk and the length of time it takes to grow. Um, now, you can eat the leaves from them as well. Well, like a kale or a cabbage kind of taste and I don't think many people would realise that either they're a member of the brassica family aren't they, they? Are. yes they are a brassica well done 
I have listened to previous guests, <laughs> taken some of it in. So yeah, like your um, your cauliflower, your cabbages, your kales, your broccoli, your Brussels sprouts—they're all brassicas. Yeah. So um, when you're planning your garden for your um, well, organically, we have to rotate our crops so that pests don't build up in the soil. So obviously we don't put anything on the soil to deter them. So just moving them around, so keeping all your brassicas together each year is kind of something that we need to do. Okay. It must have been a huge lifestyle change moving from the Middle East to like North Kerry, the weather, you've talked about the food, obviously the food is far superior here in Ireland, but was there anything about the Middle East that you really missed? No, I don't think so. Like we even asked ourselves that question, you know, kind of, oh, we're a year back now, do you miss anything? And we go, "Uh, no. Um, Like it was a very deliberate lifestyle change. You know, we'd been there for eight years, um, worked very long, very hard hours. Like the first four years we were both working six days a week, more or less, you know, kind of from nine to six and you have to travel an hour to get to your work. The weather, you know, while it's lovely to look out at sunshine, you can't go out into it a lot of the time because it's just too hot. Um, and I think unless you've experienced it, a lot of people find it hard to kind of comprehend. So we used to kind of describe, you know, you go down to the car park and your eyeballs literally sweat, you know? So it's, it's not as rosy and lovely as it seems maybe in the pictures or that it's, it's a hard place to live. There's maybe three months of the year where the weather is nice and you can go out and the other months, the other nine months, it's just too hot. Um, or you've got sandstorms to contend with and things like that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I suppose the big benefit for us was it was tax-free earnings. Um, and at home, you know, things had gone nosedived completely. It was around 2008, I think, when we went out. So there wasn't much going on here at home. We would no other options. We had to go further afield to get jobs, pay off student loans and, you know, things like that. So it was great while we were there. We're very thankful for it, but we're very thankful to be home as well and to be able to come home and, you know, to have families here that can help us, you know, raising the kids and the kids can know their um, grandparents and things like that. And in terms of the future of the business, what is your vision for it? Uh, Well, to grow slowly as the the children grow. So um, this year we expanded a little bit. Um, We had hoped that we would have had extra help and stuff on the farm, but COVID kind of put pay to that. So um, for next year, we have a second polytunnel, which we've purchased. So that's going to go up this winter to be kind of start growing in from May of next year. And we have an extra part of the garden, which we will kind of expand into. So it's currently just under black plastic. It's quite a lot of weeds to contend with. So the black plastic will kill them off. And um, kind of with our crop rotation plan, so the, this year we'll say the spuds and onions were grown in a particular space. Next year, they're going to move into where the brassicas were and the brassicas will move out into the new kind of field. So each year it's to kind of expand slowly but surely. And it's still all under half an acre that we're growing in. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. It's amazing the amount of food yeah. you get out of a small space. Yeah. 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 And we have um, a little orchard as well, which um, my husband's mother would have planted. So there's um, apple trees and we'll probably add a few trees to that, hopefully. Maybe some pears, some plums, so that we can offer them in our veg boxes. And we have a small collection of hens who are a little bit temperamental. Um, but hopefully next year we might add to the hens as well and be able to offer eggs with the veg boxes as well so um, yeah no it's just slowly but surely to each year to add a little bit more Uh, we raised our own pigs a few years back and that was delicious 
Wow. So I don't know if we'd ever get to a place where we could offer that to people, but certainly we will try and raise our when we had planned this year to have some. And it's about kind of a closed circle as well, like any crops that will say go off or go over or the excess leaves, the pigs would eat those and the manure from the pigs you could put back into the garden. So it kind of one feeds the other and then the pigs feed us. So very self-sustaining then you see as well, very little waste. That's the aim, yeah, yeah, to have as much or as little waste as possible to use each part of the plant, but equally we'll say like the animal manure to feed the ground which will then feed the plants and it's quite circular and to keep it kind of closed so that we don't have to rely on any outside kind of um, sources for fertilizer or things like that um, so at the moment uh, it's our, our neighbor has um, cows he overwinters cattle and the manure from the cows is composted down and that goes on the ground once the season is finished and that's the only thing we add to our soil is farmyard manure Fantastic. Well, it's been lovely to hear your story. Thanks thank you so much, much for coming in tonight to, to share it. And best of luck with the exams. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Let's go home and do some study now. And if people want to uh, find out more, we have social media. We have Facebook and Instagram. So we are at Lee Farm, L-E-A-G-H underscore farm on Instagram. And the same Lee Farm on Facebook. Fantastic. Thanks a million. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and just before the break, Colette O'Connor from Delicious Kingdom who joins me in the studio tonight. We both heard about Lee Farm thanks to Billy Joe O'Connor and if you're just tuning in now, you might want to catch The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102FM when it's repeated on Wednesday mornings at 8am and the podcasts are available to listen to on SharonNoonan.com as well as iTunes and the podcast app. Now, Claire, I have to thank you again for introducing me to Billy Joe O'Connor. Now, your business is, is Delicious Kingdom, so in that format, it's all about telling stories about producers in Kerry. Yeah, so I suppose uh, about three years ago, I would have coordinated the Stole Food Fair, and during that time, I've always been interested in food, and I've worked in hotels for years, and always been around it. But I suppose just during the food fair, I started kind of um, telling the story of our local restaurants and uh, cafes in Stoll, um, which we some fantastic places there. And the story, it just, it just kind of showed, you know, the the real variety and the abundance we have in North Kerry. I mean, it's it's an agricultural heartland. It's the home of Kerry Group, but there there are fantastic local growers. You know, you have Billy Joe, you've got Lee Farmer and Billy Joff. Um, you have Carol Lee, the the kefir there out in my van as well, and uh, you have. Um, there's some wonderful, I mean, the, 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 even the Orlis Country Kitchen out there in Azelton as well. People are very innovative and Ildiko Bajet, who is so well known to provide your caring for wellness baking. So all that in a very close proximity. So fantastic. And you're going to keep us updated with what's happening in the kingdom over the coming months. Absolutely, yes. So we're going to look forward to those stories. In the meantime, now we're going to go over to our next interview of this evening and we're staying local in Newcastle West and heading to Sonus Health Food Shop to get some back-to-school lunch advice from Rosemary Bellis. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Rosemary, great to be back in Saunas. How are you keeping? Very well, Sharon. Thank you. I'd say you've had a busy few months. 
Yes, we have. We have. We've been busy on the food front, on the health support, on the coffee and takeaway salads. So, yeah, and we've been lucky. We've been able to keep open and keep our service going. So it's great. Fair play to you. And of course, we have enjoyed back to school now, which is great to see the kids back to school. It's great for the children and obviously for the parents. But back to school in September always brings the challenge of the lunchbox. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it, it, it is, uh, yeah, it's a mixed blessing sometimes. You have, yeah, kids go off and that's great. And then, yeah, getting into the zone maybe of lunches. So I guess, um, you know, sometimes I think lunches... It can it can be this thing of another pressure to have this fantastic lunchbox every day, and that isn't realistic. So I think maybe to lower expectations and just do what you can, but to maybe to really limit the sweet. I mean, most school schools have um, a policy now, and and it should be followed through. They might have a treat on Friday, they may not. But in general, to have some sort of something decent that'll hold your child till they get home, because they will be hungry, even if they're picky eaters or light eaters. Um, again, you know your child, so if they are a light eater and they just want small bits, small bits of fruit chopped up, small bits of veg, maybe I don't know, little carrots or just tomatoes. Cherry tomatoes are handy. You know, it depends what your child likes, but if you know there's a couple of things. You needn't be just stuck to, um, oh, this must be a definable lunch. It can be just what your child would like. But I think small is good because it's heartbreaking to be cleaning out lunch boxes with half empty or not even touched food. Um, and if they're too young to have copped on about trading food in the lunch, in, you know, their lunch box in the playground, um, they'll, and actually they, they will be having more of their own now anyway. Um, so maybe just, yeah, tailor it small, small, I think. Like, for example, at home now, I'd never never give a full apple it's just wasted so I'll cut it you know he or my son will cut it in two wrap up the other half that's for the next day and cut it in slices and uh, maybe half a small orange you know it's it's just a little few grapes if you if they like berries though berries don't always hold so get a small little pot for them um, yogurt is handy a little pot of yogurt um, I'd be kind of again I wouldn't be saying go for cheese strings and stuff I know some kids love them but if you could maybe go for just a plain cheese sandwich you know and try and go for wholemeal bread if you can or a pitta pitta pockets are great toast them in the morning and they're small and they tend to hold like if they'll take tuna if they'll take salmon if they'll take you know, shredded chicken so I, I, I'd be kind of going with you need a bit of protein for them so che- che- cheese chicken I, I kind of think of leftover what's left over from dinner um, or get some slices in watch the sliced meats I think I know they're really handy but try and get them cut from the deli if you can because um, they can be very high in salt and sometimes sugar as yeah well. they can and there's a lot of added nitrates with preserved meats as well look you have you can't have it perfect you can't do it all right ideally we'd be cutting we'd be boiling your own joint meat and having that but that doesn't always happen but sometimes I think on a weekend if you are once we get back into the zone of it if you are making you know um, a bit have a bit more time for a dinner and make maybe maybe actually cook a bit extra and keep that as a cold cut and that's a great base for sandwich and kids then who are making their own lunch can work from that um, so that's quite help, helpful and you could you know shred um, say like from a cold jo- joint of whatever meat and have that maybe mixed with a bit of lettuce a couple of tomatoes 
bit of chopped up cucumber and that depends on your child some children might take a bit of dressing with it some children won't you know but that could stuff a pita and that's actually really nice and tasty you know um, I think so. it's interesting <clears throat> what you said there about children making their own lunch because that's yeah. something that Hannah my daughter who is nine she actually said to me look her at one of her cousins house you could see that in the morning their mother left all the bits out because she'd so many children and then they take what they want within reason obviously mm. so Hannah had actually said to me look can I make my own lunch and look that's grand it's one less thing to do mm. there, it's not like there's a pile of rubbish there like it's different from in my day you had the sandwich you had the bar and the packet of crisps and a fizzy drink like there's none of that so mm. everything that's sitting out it is healthy and, and she knows we're very conscious about food waste mm. at home not to be taking stuff that's going to end up in the bin mm. but I also find that if it's the time of year when we'd be having porridge in the morning they're not really that hungry at school yeah that's true and and another thing I found as well is and it does depend on what age child is but they haven't got a lot of time actually and if your child you know your own child if your child's a slow eater if your child's a picky eater if your child some children don't like eating in public some children you know there's all these things um, so it's true don't expect a big full lunchbox then if you know your child's going through a growth spurt and they're like do you know I say older children do you know if you were like if you're doing a lot of training and whatever and they need a good lunch then you tailor that but it's true actually I think less is more you know um, and smaller amounts and look better they come home and say I was God I didn't get half enough that's great then 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 they can up the level and throw in I, I think nuts are really handy Not, I mean a lot of kids even even like salted peanuts like what harm a few like a little small pill box of them empty little do you know those mini jam jars of those or little tubs um, of those or just mixed nuts if you have them they're a great filler because there's fat and protein in them and fat and protein are what keep us full and s- kind of sustained so if you have you can't just live on fruit you do need a bit more so if someone say a child isn't really a sandwich person and they or maybe they're gluten free and bread's an issue or whatever um, or, or they don't like crusts so the whole sandwich comes back basically there's two mouthfuls gone maybe a little small pack of a little box of nuts with um, say chopped up fruit and maybe a few carrot sticks or something or it, like a little dip like a, I don't know maybe a cheese dip or a hummus dip that you could make up quick at home the, those kind of things we have to be very careful with nuts are not allowed in oh, yeah, school I'm because forgetting of that. nut allergies some, a number yeah, of schools if call. there is just one child in the whole school so that's just oh, something right, to okay. be well, to good be call. in that of. case I'd say sunflower seeds actually and pumpkin seeds and you could do a really cool thing that's really nice where you toast them in a dry pan so like a non-stick pan perfect or even or any, any pan actually will do keep an eye on it don't walk away from it just toast them till the, the pumpkin seeds will actually pop um, and kids love doing that actually and then you they, they, they'll brown a little but do keep the heat down because they'll burn in a flash and then you can just have them like that put a pinch of decent sea salt in it or rock salt um, put a dash of um, soy sauce which is great or tamari the gluten free one if you're gluten free and just give it a quick stir toss and it just kind of it almost kind of dries and it's not a wet mixed in it's just a, a small bit of seasoning pop them in a jar and they are gorgeous really really tasty and moorish and sometimes when you get a bit of kind of mouth satisfaction it actually inspires your appetite a bit further so they're very handy if nuts because you're right I forgot that nuts are an issue for some schools and for some families actually so the toasted seeds are great and they're cheap as chips and it's easy it's actually lovely um, like anyone if you're having anyone in or someone calls around and you want something savoury with a beer or, or a drink for someone they're gorgeous yeah and easy done at home and sea salt like I find is 
it's the perfect seasoning. Yeah. And you have a great range of sea salts here and you actually have my favourite just recently stocked, which is the Ackle Island sea salt. Yeah, we do. I, I'm, I, I love my salt, I must say, and it suits me. Um, some people would be cautious of salt, but it's because really we've been misinformed about the quality of salt as well. So we've been fed the free-flowing Saxa table salt. Sorry, not to dish, dish any brand, but like table salt isn't anyone's friend. It's just bleached processed sodium. And sodium is great if you're very, very low blood pressure because it will, it will, I suppose, dehydrate and, and draw out water, it's absorb water. But that's not what most of us need. So I would say ditch the sea salt and um, it's not, this proper sea salt is not, um, ditch the table salt rather. Proper sea salt is not a big investment. You get a lot for your money um, because you have a perfect balance of macro, micronutrients, essential nutrients, electrolytes, which sports people know about. And they're really what help all your muscular fibres, your nerve fibres to function and to process information that goes around our body all day long. And it actually helps with regulation of so many processes and we need those minerals. So um, you get them all conveniently in a microdose. And the benefit is that your food tastes great with proper seasoning. So it lifts a meal, you know, eggs, tomatoes, salad, salad, should be salted um, veg um, your potatoes any any meal pasta should be salted all of them but it's not much and it's to taste and um, but the pinch is actually a very healthy thing to do just keep keep make sure you're not dehydrated that's then that's fairly easy to do uh, so yeah we have the ackle we have malden we have a few other Irish ones the ackle um, the Atlantic sea salt so they're great and then we have rock salt so the difference with the salts would be essentially whether it's above or below sea level so rock salt millennia back would have been submerged so it's now say when the seas 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 move um now it's above ground so that's really the difference and it's like it's slightly pinker in tone and the sea salt tends to be whiter but and you're also supporting native industries i mean you can go get lovely frenzy french camargue salt or there's all sorts of salts you can really get into it and be connoisseur of salt but it's nice to support an irish industry as well you know it's very they're, they're great and they have a flavored one from yes, Ackle Island. They do, they do. Now there's a range. So so far I've stocked the seaweed one because we'd have a lot of our customer base really like their seaweeds and would try and include. In fact, actually, that's a good point because for children the um, the seaweed salt is great. Um and you can you can just it's you'd hardly notice that there's little green flecks of seaweed in it. But seaweed is such a bountiful source of nutrients. Again, in a perfectly absorbable micro form, um, and very important for really, really valuable for kids. Um, a lot of people associate seaweed just with iodine and iodine with thyroid issues but that's a very broad stroke approach it's not just for that they, they, there's a lot of mineral content in seaweeds and then you so you have them they, they flake them up in a fine very finely so it looks pretty as well and mix the sea salt with it so it's very nice it actually looks lovely on eggs for example it gives it a little lift of colour as well but if you want to mask it for kids just pop it into a bit of veg mashed up veg or your I don't know your bolognese sauce or your pasta dish and it's it's really nice nutrient wise as well. You suggested hummus there which is yes. a great source of protein and yeah. peanut butter is another yes, good source exactly, of protein. Yeah. And I love both of those with a little sprinkle of sea salt yeah, on yeah. them on a, on a rice cake. It's yeah. a great 
now. Absolutely, yeah. For right. me. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Some of this, like, kind of, some of this, if that's new to people or if it's not a child's taste, I think maybe it's something to introduce another time and then it can gradually make its way onto the lunchtime lunchbox. But, um, yeah, little rice cakes are great. They're handy. Um, you tend to, they can be a small bit messy in a, in a, in a lunchbox. You might need to do a sandwich. But, again, if nuts are okay in school, peanut and or almond butter or hazelnut butter are great. Really, really nice. You can put a little bit of jam, I think, is a great way to introduce it. Just sweetens it up a small bit and it gets it's a little kind of um, doorway into nut butters and they're they're just handy and they're very they don't go off they're in the they're in the press they're there you know they if you're stuck on a Monday morning what am I going to give if you have cream crackers or crackers and nut butter you have you have a lunch and it's very American the peanut butter and jelly I know. which is jam peanut butter I know and, jam and kids all our children now that. should they see it all on telly and they kind of get peanut butter and jelly but actually if you have a decent jam and just a little spread it, it it's a nice introduction and then after a while you'll be fine with or without the jam so it's it's nice um, and you can put that onto like a piece of wholemeal toast or a homemade brown bread or you know and it, again a pita is great because it'll hold it together um, yeah they're, they're, they're nice little ones avocado is always nice as well Can it, don't make it too early like the night before it'll yellow which is a pity um, but avocado is good too you could have that mashed up with you know instead of butter for example and actually it's handy if a child doesn't like butter or is dairy free to use avocado instead because that's got the fats as well I'm just I just think for kids brains need fat Absolutely. and that they really do and it's not chip fat so um, though we all like chips but like they're not your basis so you need your fats from your nuts and seeds your avocados your say your all your green veg they, 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 they contain omega-3s as well which you wouldn't always think of and then obviously your um, fish so and if children aren't fish eaters try and include a little bit of maybe the smoked fish or the tin fish or the or fresh your fresh fish into a lunch mix you could have a little just put a little bit of salmon say and maybe some cheese and tomatoes as well something like that a mix you know and would you recommend any additional supplements if they're not good at eating fish for example yeah. you're talking about the omegas there yeah yeah if a child isn't good at, at getting them in their diet and some families it might be a parent has a bit of an aversion and then it passes down it just can just be a household thing sometimes um, if it's not happening in the diet it's important to remember that they are essential an essential means we need them for, pro- for proper functioning so they are important to get in so I would really highly rate fish oils as a supplement for a child if they're not getting in their diet and if they are demonstrating maybe you know if they've like little skin dry skin issues or any irritation like eczema things like that um, and down to like focus and attention as well it's been demonstrably shown in a lot of research trials the benefit of omega-3s in enhancing um, not exactly your smarts shall we say but your focus and your ability for your brain to hold information to recall it your neuroplasticity really so it's, they're just so important so I kind of see them as a tonic I actually see I've seen a fish oil supplement for children as a tonic and they can often help to stimulate poor appetite if, if that's what's if appetite is weak and needs to be stimulated a bit it can often actually have that benefit because cells are in, all cell health is enhanced so it helps the body to sort of say oh yeah actually I, I need a bit more grub and you might find your child's appetite opens up so they are very useful and they're a good they're a good choice if um, if it's not in the diet fantastic well listen thanks so much for that all very interesting and I'm sure very helpful to parents out there that are facing the challenges of the lunchbox I know, at the moment and me we, wish, we yes. wish them well indeed indeed my pleasure Sharon 
You're listening to the best possible taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Welcome back to the best possible taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and just before the break, Rosemary Bennis shared some lunchbox tips. And earlier in the programme, Billy Jo O'Connor shared her journey to Lee Farm in County Kerry. Colette O'Connor from Delicious Kingdom is with me in studio tonight. Any lunchbox tips yourself, Colette? Oh, no, variety, variety. I have three, one in preschool, one in crash, uh, who doesn't need to be fed, he gets his food on site. But the three and a half year old and the six year old both um, are in school, so they, they do need. A bit of variety. I just find the sandwiches, you know, they just don't eat the sandwiches, you know, there's no point. And if they do the same thing two days in a row, it's the end of the world. And oh my God. So picky bits, you know, small bits and pieces and just kind of have, I'd always do a planner at the start of the week and I'd have it up in the fridge, you know, a magnetic board, you pick it up in a pound shop and just what I'm going to give them each day, just a variety. Got you very organised. Well, three children, you have to be able to walk on walk. You're outnumbered, you see. <laughs> There's two adults and three children, you're outnumbered. So, low-hanging fruit, I'm all low-hanging fruit. So your top tip is be organised. Be organised and have a bit of variety, you know, different fruit each day, a different kind of maybe cracker, breadsticks, whatever, and different fillings for the non-sandwich, as I call it, you know. Great advice. Now, if you're just tuning in to the programme this evening, you might want to catch the best possible taste on West Limerick 102 FM when it's repeated on Wednesday mornings at 8am. And the podcasts are available to listen to on SharonNoonan.com as well as iTunes and the podcast app. So our final interview this evening took place in Ireland's prettiest village, namely Adair, where Logra opened just a few months ago. I called in last week to meet owners David and Petra Hayes, so let's have a listen. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Lads, thanks so much for having me here in your new business venture. I'm going to ask you, Petra, to tell us the name and explain the, the background to the name. Sure, thanks for coming, Sean, first of all. And um, yeah, Logo. So uh, it is a Czech slang word for leftover coffee grounds. So basically what you can find at the bottom of your French press, that's what it is, really. And um, it comes from, from Czech, as I already mentioned, because I'm originally from Czech Republic. I came to Ireland about 15 years ago, I suppose, for one summer, as we say but I met a David and, and, and the rest is the history. So. <laughs> and David you're probably very well known in the area because you were the chef in one of the, the local hotels a good few years ago now. To open your own place is this something that you've always wanted to do? Uh, absolutely yeah um, and I suppose this particular building was something which was is always something I, I kind of looked at and always kind of felt that there was there was huge potential here. Um, for seven years I lived across the road. Um, for the last five I'm living two minutes back the road from it. So it's something which has been very obviously very close to home and, and something we always both of us had always had 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 always admired the actual premises and felt that if we got it we, we could make a, a reasonable attempt at making a good go of it and I think we've we feel we've we've done okay so far. So well the premises have undergone lots of changes over the years, but I have to say I've never seen it looking quite as beautiful as what it is at the moment. And I think that's all down to you, Petra. You have a great interior design eye. Well thanks very much, Erin. <laughs> For someone that has maybe visited in the past but hasn't been to the new Lee Donop Logra, just describe it for them. 
Well, we basically renovated the whole space. Um, the building is quite old, so um, there was a bit of work to be done on it as such. Um, but really, we just felt that, that the premises really deserved um, something a little bit maybe more elaborate. So we just renovated all of it. We basically gutted everything and we put like the new floors down and did basically everything else. So uh, I did new wood paneling, bar, bookshelves, repainted everything, resending everything, did the whole new furniture ourselves again. So we are basically uh, skilled in carpentry and um, <laughs> wiring and plumbing and everything, should we say. Um, and uh, yes, we just feel it is much brighter than it used to be. Uh, people comment that it, that it feels much spacious, much more spacious than it used to be. Um, yeah, so it's kind of maybe like a bit of more continental feel to it. Um, yeah, that's, that's about it, I suppose. And whenever you, you took the lease on, it wasn't part of the plan to do it in the middle of a pandemic, whenever you couldn't get workmen, David. So as, as Petra said there, you really had to upskill very quickly and do a lot of the work yourself. Um, well, yeah, we, we, we did um, end up having to do a bit more than we, we, we had originally planned. Now, saying that, we obviously had to get quite a few workmen in because uh, whatever wiring tricks we learned, they were pr probably pretty basic. Um, so we, we did actually have some very good tradesmen come in and help us out. Like, um, But we did definitely, like with regards to the chairs there, that we, which we bought um, and loaded into the back of the car, and we spent uh, about three weeks at home stripping back and sanding and everything else, and again, painting up the walls, the ceilings, everything like that. They, they they needed a little bit more than just a coat of paint, um, so we and we, we did learn a few, like I said, a few little tricks with with some plumbing and, and, and wiring and stuff like that. There was there was a couple of nights where we had to kind of get it done ourselves, or it was it wasn't happening. So. Um, but in saying that we had a great help of, of a few of our friends and family and, yeah, absolutely, yeah. and like as, as David mentioned we had quite uh, great tradesmen in as well when, um, when they could work because obviously they were quite limited at the start of, of the whole COVID, uh, COVID situation. And, and the tradesmen we've got are all, are all living a couple of minutes from us as well um, so if we do have any issues going forward they're, they're very easy to get you know where they live. we know where they <laughs> live exactly um, so yeah I, I guess I, again it's part of kind of what we felt at the beginning we, we did we knew when we took on the lease we, we, we wouldn't we would be down tourism um, we felt that yeah there was there's, there's quite a bit of passing trade here but it, 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 it wasn't what we we, we we always felt that tourism would be a bonus and we always felt that if we'd done it here if we got there, there there's quite a big population in there or community in there and we felt that if we if we could get just a nice little share to locals that we, we, we would do okay here um, and we felt that local suppliers again even local tradesmen doing the work here so we, we did keep it as, as as local and as close to home as we, we possibly could me and petra both live in here now for 12 uh, years 12 yeah. years yeah 13 years nearly um so it is home now so like those those tradesmen we brought on like we, we know them we, we we know them very well like, like our tyler is, is, is almost family um so it, it was kind of very important to us that it was it's kind of a local kind of a thing and, and I said that represents as well with, with the food and suppliers and stuff like that so well I'm sure the the conversations over the dinner table must have been very interesting at night because I would imagine that a lot of couples would say look we're mad here we need to pull out of this and put a stop to it were you ever tempted to say look forget about it the timing's not right because of the COVID 
that there was probably a lot of times when there was no conversation over the dinner table, to be honest. But yeah, a few moments. <laughs> there, was, there was definitely, like, of course there was. Yeah. We'd have been crazy if we didn't have the conversation. Like, people say we're crazy, we, we, we may have been crazy to go ahead with it, but. You know, yeah, well, we just feel that sometimes in life, you know, in general, you just have to take risks to just achieve something or just just to get somewhere. So sometimes you just have to yeah, and, pull and it and, and, and just go for it, I suppose. Yeah, and there is restaurants open, which, yeah. which we know that opened up during the last recession. And then they would say that, look, it was really tough when we opened up. And you're kind of going, like, these are one of the places that we always like to visit. And, and you're kind of going, well, you know what, you weathered a storm. And um, we, we didn't get to get into this to, to, to make a load of money. You know, it's, it's so... You know, it's just something we like really and yeah. we just wanted to have a little bit of life work balance really because we both worked in the hospitality for years and it was always the hotels and as everyone knows you know who, who works in that it's really long hours it's not like that we are not doing the long hours now we actually really do as well but it's different because it is hours and it is more like daytime hours and by daytime I mean we are here at six o'clock in the morning so it's, so it's the opposite side of it but at the same time it is it, it's been our dream you know it is it is our little place and we just always yeah. you know aimed for something like that so it is definitely a bit different and you know as the weeks go by it is settling a little bit as well and we just feel that we are maybe getting a little bit to that balance we kind of hoped for at the start so and it is a very lean operation so you're in the kitchen by yourself most of the the day Diva, and you're out shot you know front of house whenever you're not doing your other full-time job exactly. like it must yes. be very challenging just to, to get the work-life balance there uh, it is yeah it is but like I think it's just about being uh, being quite organized and I believe that we both are so yeah so we just have to manage it somehow and just just do it just go for it and do it I suppose well let's talk a bit about the menu David that's something that you're very passionate about and you're a great advocate for supporting local producers and there's a number of them on your menu yeah there is um, so actually when, when we opened up as well we started um, I, we went to visit uh, Kevin Wallace in the New Leaf um, and so we've we've been using Kevin. I, I hadn't used Kevin before, um, so it's actually great to be to be working with him as well. But m majority of our beef um, is is Pat Barry in in, in Croom, who has all his own herds. We take meat from our local butcher Brian Crosslow across the road here as well. Um, I'm currently. Um, I was speaking to Caroline Rigney today with regards to getting getting more Caroline stuff on our menu, um, and then like with fruit and veg, there's uh, as another man that comes to the, the market on a Saturday morning drops us over stuff. Um, so there, there's loads like Jim O'Brien um, gives us all of our cheese. Um, we have pork and bacon from Wilmot and Rakeel, who's uh, always supplied always supplied me anywhere I've ever been anyway. And then we have McCarthy's in Canturk. Um, so like we know them all. Like we use one of the bigger companies for our more generic stuff, which everybody has to. But I think all of our like everything that, that we that's a main ingredient in a dish is comes from somebody we know and we, we know where it comes from we know a little bit of the story about it and we know a little bit about them which is again something which we 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 kind of felt that from the very beginning was was quite important was and quite important with the with the actual cafe logo it was yeah. just something we wanted to stand for so. And let's not forget about our coffee as well. Yeah, um, our supplier is the Old Barracks Roastery in Birdhill County, Tipperary. So 
um, he's supplying uh, supplying us with both uh, regular coffee, should we say, and, and the decaf coffee, and we do a bit of retail as well. Um, yeah, and it's fantastic. We are getting great feedback on the coffee, and um, yeah, so that's great as well. And actually, as of the last two weeks, we have Sarah um, craft the cost supplying our bread, <clears throat> which is ab absolutely amazing. Like we're 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 so happy with it. Sourdough is something which I think every every chef in the country was trying over over the lockdown. <laughs> Fortunately, it didn't work for me. <laughs> uh, I think about three starters, three or four starters went in the bin, and there was a couple of um, words which I won't repeat use, but I I kind of. <laughs> And, you know, you know what? I'm just, I think I'm going to leave this one for someone else. Um, but yeah, so like it's fantastic. Like we have, like the bread is it's amazing. Um, um, so she's here three or four days a week delivering fresh bread to us. We we sell at retail there as well. We obviously make our own brown. We, we make quite a few of our own pastries, um, and we will add to all this. You know, we we are only open a few weeks, so. And you were saying earlier you go through a lot of eggs from Croom. Again, yeah, Sean. Sean is our, our eggs. I think you you'd count to the thousand there one week or. or yeah, well, I think it's most most of the weeks that we go over a thousand eggs. So we are putting a bit of pressure on the hands. <laughs> <laughs> and do you welcome calls from local producers because? in the times that we're living in there could be people out there that have started to grow and are starting to sell their produce is Ab that something that you're into? Absolutely yeah and it always has been um, I think number one like wherever the producer it's got to be quality um, and that's, that's something I've I've learned over the years is, is like if, if you have quality ingredients you know like there you can there's very little you actually need to do with them so if there's local producer producers out there which which when the stuff is is top quality we're, we're so happy to use it like even their microgreens here is, is another new one I'd started to use because my last couple of years I hadn't really been it had been more the corporate catering side of things and you weren't as able to get your hands on these type of things so Brian came down and, and like his microherbs are fantastic and, and you know it's it's all these little things that make that make it enjoyable for me again like so well before we finish up you must tell us what are the most popular dishes on the menu uh, I think for lunch, actually, Pat Barry, the, the noodles. It's a very, very simple dish. Um, basically, we wanted something. Um, we wanted something hearty on the menu, but we felt that you know what? There's probably about six other places in it there um, that have a stew on of some sort, and they're probably all served with mash and vegetables. There's nothing wrong with that. I'd probably go home myself this evening and have mash and vegetables. But we just felt that we, we wanted to offer something hearty. But we wanted it to be a little bit lighter, um, so that's where that one kind of was born out of. I think the fried egg on top and peanut rayu, I think, was. Mm. Um, it's a bit like Asian style broth, uh, which is a little bit more substantial. And I suppose with coming into colder weather as well, we can see in last week or two it is becoming even more popular. Yeah, and and you know, like the good old-fashioned fried um, full Irish. Like it, it goes really well the weekends here. We don't actually have it on our, our midweek menu, but I think it's probably something we, we may have to add. We have quite a few regulars who come in and, and they just kind of sit and put the hand up and you know what they want, which, which is great because this is kind of something we wanted as well for the place was that we people would come in and we could know them by name. And there is quite a few that come in now in the mornings and you know them by name and you know exactly what they'll have. And, and it's brilliant. You can go have a chat with them and you know what time they'll come in. And, you know, so and I would, I would also add uh, mushrooms. Well, mushrooms we are doing on sourdough toast with a softly fried egg on top. Another one that and absolutely Parmesan, and that's, fries, that's absolutely yeah. amazingly popular. So. Yeah, yeah, it's. Uh, and in terms of coffee, then Petra, what's the most popular coffee? I'd say 
it's really that kind of like fashionable thing now that everyone goes, especially younger generation, everyone goes for a flat white. <laughs> what is it, a third coffee, a third this, a third this, no, there's four yeah. thirds. <laughs> but at the same time we are getting, you know, quite a few people are still getting their lattes and, and all that. I'm very partial to flat white myself. <laughs> Listen, it's been lovely to meet you both. Congratulations, a wonderful space and I wish you both the very best of luck with it. Thanks a million, Sharon, for uh, coming and um, our opening times are six days a week, we are closed Mondays, so opening times are midweek, Tuesday till Friday, 7am uh, until 5pm, and then Saturdays 8 to 5, and Sundays 9 to 4, and uh, you can find us on social media, so we are on Instagram, uh, it is Cafe Logre Eder, and we are also on Facebook. Fantastic, thanks a million. Thanks very much Thanks for having very much us. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. And as I said there, best of luck to David and Petra Hayes. Aren't they very brave to take on a new adventure in these uncertain times, Colette? Absolutely, absolutely. I'm sure they, you know, they have had this plan for quite a while, so, you know, the best of luck to them. And, uh, you know, we are starting to come through it now. I mean, the economy, is, it's, in, it's, it's difficult times, but you have to keep moving. You have to keep the shoulder to the wheel. You just have to keep going. And uh, would you be tempted, based on what they said, what's on the menu, would you be tempted to make a pit stop on your oh way from Limerick to Kerry? Oh, that brunch looks divine. Oh, my God, I can't wait. Yeah. A fab menu, mm. a fab menu. Well, listen, that's all we have time for this evening. My thanks to tonight's guests, Billy Joe O'Connor, Rosemary Bennis and David and Petra Hayes. Thanks a million to you, Colette, for taking part. You're going to be back next week, I hope. Yes, looking forward to it. Great to cross the county bounds to West Limerick. Fantastic. Well, listen, thanks for coming in and thanks to everyone out there for tuning in and we look forward to talking to you all again next week. In the meantime, bon appétit. Do you want to get in touch with the best possible taste? Do you want to come on, share a recipe, review a cookery book, or just have a general chat about what you like to eat and drink? All you have to do is get in touch with me, Sharon Noonan, by sending an email to s.noonan at live.ie or send me a tweet at Queen of Org. Bon appétit!